And I had to, I've been wrestling with this for two, no, more than two or three years. Why would people tell you not to resist the devil? And the Lord said to me yesterday, I, I adjure you, that word again, while you're hanging up Christmas lights, the Lord might speak to you. I was hanging up and raking leaves with the boys and hanging up Christmas lights, and all of a sudden, the Spirit of God came on me and says, those who don't like resisting the devil have an agreement with him. I said, yeah, I guess, I guess you're right, because I read all the scriptures that say completely the opposite of what they're saying, and they seem adamant that they're right and I'm wrong. And they say, we shouldn't be doing this. And he goes, it's because they're on their payroll. They have an agreement. And so the first verse is James 4, 7. Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. It says when you resist the devil, who's the devil? Is he the boss or is he like third in charge? Is he fifth in charge? Is he tenth in charge? Who's in charge of the demonic realm? Someone give me an answer. I couldn't hear that through the cost. Lucifer. I just want you to know, is devil number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten? Who's in charge of, of, of the demonic realm? Is he number one? Is he the biggest? Can another devil defeat him and we get another devil that's... No, is he probably like unchallenged? Like they could challenge him, but in the demonic realm, he's number one, right? Can we all establish that fact, number one? Okay. So why would God tell you to resist the number one biggest devil of all time if the principalities under him could kill you? Explain to me that logic pattern. If number three could kill you if you resist him and God sends you against number one, God's sending you to your death but he's not. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil. He'll flee from you. It says when you resist the devil, he'll flee. He'll flee from you. That's what I'm adjuring you to do is resisting the devil. Resist is a physical and uh, military action. The Romans used to have spikes on their heels so they could set for the incoming charge. That's resisting the devil. doesn't mean you won't be charged. It means when, he, when the devil charges you and you actually stand your ground, because if you don't, just because you, if you agreed with him, doesn't mean he'll leave you alone. It just means you've agreed with, the, with someone who will beat you on a regular basis when they see fit. It doesn't mean they'll stop harassing you. It just means you've given them, like a kidnapper, the chance to chain you in a dungeon. They might feed you and then beat you like every other you know, day. But as you resist the devil, the devil hits you, and then you bounce him back. I found an old bouncy play ball that you could get in. Have you ever seen those things? They're big, blow up. They're like this big. You could get into it. And the boys were playing with it on the hill, and their friend came and said, let me at him. And he goes, boom, boom, and he flew back. That's what the devil does to you when you resist him. You're encapsulated in the Holy Spirit. You're empowered with electricity from on high, and you blast the devil, and he flies off. That's resisting the devil. So that's scripture number one. In Luke 10, 19, this is what Jesus says to you. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. That's what Jesus says to you. He's given you authority to trample. What does that mean?
means your Irish dance. You get to stomp on the devil and they can't bite you or sting you. It's actually your mandate is to dance on the devil's head. It says he puts them under his feet. Why? Because that's where you could do the stomping. Now, anybody kill a scorpion? I have. Snake, scorpion. They just don't seem fit to live, do they? They just seem like something needing to die. In Arizona, we had one, and it was on the wall. I have many scorpion stories there. I had one that would hiss. I had one that had hair and hissed. I had one that I hit on the wall, and it flew and landed on my head. Ah! It's not very effective when the devil's on your head. It's effective when the devil's under your feet. So I made a video, and I slapped one with a big shoe, and it was gigantic. One actually stung Reuben. You don't even remember this. And it stung you on the heel, and you squished it, and it didn't even hurt you. Through the mouth of babes, God will prophesy. Didn't hurt him. In the cup? I don't remember that one. It was in the cup? At my house? I, I must have blanked it out. See, how good would that would be the devil to your lips? That would hurt. The devil on your head would hurt. The devil under your feet, you win. I have given you authority to trample on snakes. I don't want to trample on no snake. We watched another video yesterday, and they were finding some big fish in, the, in this area of the Amazon. They were finding uh, anacondas, 20, 30 feet long. They're like, we have to kill it. It'll eat a child. And he's like, no, don't kill it. You know, the nature preserve leftist person. Oh, well, it's a, it's a beautiful snake. It's a beautiful specimen. And we must keep it. So they're like, okay. And then they wore it out, and three or four men drug it 10 miles in a boat and then dropped it off so it wouldn't eat a child. You know that snake could come right back. The point is it takes a big boot to kill a big snake. But even with snakes, you could trample on them and scorpions to overcome some of the power of the enemy. But that's what people believe, Tina. Some or none. I will give you none power over the devil. And, and why? It's because the sons of Sceva thought they could resist the devil knowing about a Jesus whom someone else talked about. That just shows you your personal relationship with God, your walk with God is reflected in the battles you face. If you get your butt handed to you by the devils because you agreed with him and you're on his team and you thought, I don't want to be on his team anymore, but I won't repent, and I'll engage with the devil. Well, you get your... You get it handed to you. Well, why am, I, why am I encountering all this? Because the Lord is asking you to cleanse yourself of all agreements and renounce the agreements you've made with the enemy. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy, and some things will harm you. It says nothing will harm you. Nothing the enemy can do will harm you. Resist, fight, trample. Be aggressive. Be, be aggressive. Remember that? Be aggressive. Be, be aggressive. It was, it was like a cheer from the 80s. So here's what Jesus said. It was on my basketball team, and every time I'm shooting a free throw, they still do that? I don't know how you're aggressive during free throws. You're aggressively 
free throw it like Shaq. No arc, just goes right at the rim. All right, we're still aggressive. Be, be aggressive. So in 1 John 3, 8, let's read the Amplified. The one who practices sin, separating himself from God and offending him by acts of disobedience, indifference, and rebellion is of the devil and takes his inner character and moral values from him, not God. For the devil has sinned and violated God's law from the beginning. But the Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. He, it's, that's what I was talking about. 1 John 3, 8, that was in the Amplified. It just seemed right. Let me read it again. The one who practices sin, I looked up that word practice. It means to daily and habitual work on to get better at. That's when you know you're, you've got a problem. <laughs> Separates himself from God and offends him by acts of disobedience, indifference, and, or rebellion is of the devil and takes his inner character and moral values from him, not God. For the devil has sinned and violated God's law from the beginning, and the Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. So that's why God came. To destroy the works of the devil in your life, number one. Two, your family. And three, everybody you know. It's not enough just to be freed. You have to become a freer with other people. You have to become activated. It says, I actually want to see the world change beyond myself, but I'm not going to try and change the world outside of me until the plank is out of my own eye. A lot of Christians or people caught up in Christianity that may not even be Christians focus on the world so much because they don't have to focus on themselves. And you come to Christ when you actually come to him and say, God, I, I got to talk to you about this. I got this problem. I, I am doing this, and I don't want to do it. Or I am doing it, and I love it, and I know I shouldn't, but it's wrong, but I'm doing it. And that happens as well. Or if you have hatred or bitterness. A lot of problems I've seen in, in seven years that ascend is people come in bitter, they leave bitter. Bitter people find another reason to be bitter about something else. If you come in bitter and angry and offended, that's your number one goal is to become unoffended, unbitter, and unangry. And how do you do that? By repentance. See, the meanest trick the devil could do to you is have someone hurt you and you become bitter and thus become entrapped in sin yourself. But you're like, I didn't do it. I didn't do the thing that was done to me. But you're so angry about it. You haven't forgiven the person. You haven't worked it out in your own life. And bitterness has consumed you. You are now an agent of the devil. But it's not my fault. This was me talking. It's not my fault. They did this to me. It's so wrong. And you high justice people have a hard time getting over this because you want justice. And God says, I desire mercy over judgment. And so you have to go and you're like, I have to repent? Repent of what? They did this to me. Your anger. But I'm justified in my anger, in my bitterness. It's right to be angry and upset and offended there was a time in our society where being offended was a virtue. I'm offended. You should say, I'm a sinner instead of I'm offended. I'm in sin. I'm angry and in sin because of what you did to me. That's how you should say it now instead of I'm offended. You don't get to be offended. You have to let God deal with it. Ever take any action? None of you here. But second service, they could raise their hand. In second service... Have any of you ever taken justice into your own hands with an angry confrontation? How did that go? Oh, why does it never work? <laughs> it never works. 
Never, 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 never does that work, ever. Because why? It doesn't carry the authority of heaven. And the only thing that restores issues and deals with problems is the authority of heaven. And it's not an angry, fleshly outburst. And oh, though we wish it would be. <laughs> it's, it just isn't. And it doesn't affect change. And it doesn't restore relationships. And it doesn't make people happy. I'd say that about your spouse. How does it go well to angrily confront your spouse and say, when you did this, it made me so angry? As transposed to, when you did this and I responded bad, I want to repent for what I did. Even if you're the smaller party, let's say the, the spouse is the bigger. Or boyfriend or girlfriend, if you want to talk about that too. Relationships in general. If you go and you repent, I've seen it open the door for revelation for the other person to repent. But you're like, but they did it first and it was huge. And I just responded with a snarky attitude. Repent for the snarky attitude. It breaks the dam for them to repent. And you don't do it for them to repent, and you can't anyways. If you tried to do this in manipulative fashion, you wouldn't even repent in the first place. You'd go to repent and then go right to fighting, <laughs> right? And so as you humble yourself, it actually sets the atmosphere. You become a, thermo a thermostat instead of a thermometer, and you change the atmosphere to repentance and humility. Why? Because I don't want you to be a tool of the devil. Some of you have been a tool of the devil. I've been a tool of the devil, and you're like, oh, I got duped. And the Lord wants you to trample on the works of the devil. And it says, Christ came to defeat and destroy the works of the devil. And lastly, in, Col in Colossians uh, chapter 2, verse 10. Now, I just, again, I googled the phrases I know and found the location. I don't memorize every location. I memorize the truth. And when the truth hits me by the revelation of the Spirit, I look up where the truth is located. That's just a free tidbit for those who like studying. So Colossians 2.10, And in Christ you have been brought to fullness. Say fullness. And he is the head over every power and authority. No power, no authority should you ever submit to or ever think about not resisting. Your job is to take dominion over the earth, as he said in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. It says take dominion over this earth. Who tried to take dominion? The devil through lies and deception in the agreement of Adam and Eve handed over the keys of authority and on the temptation during the 40 days Satan came to Jesus and said I have the keys. They've been delivered unto me. Worship me and I'll give them to you. And Jesus said no thanks. I'll get them through warfare. Won't get them through worshiping you. And what did he do? He defeated the devil by being obedient even unto death and the death of a cross, and resurrected. He went down to hell, opened the gates, got the keys back, freed those souls, and I don't understand it. In First Peter, it talks about, and then he preached to those souls in captivity at the time before Noah, from beginning till Noah, and preached them the cross of Christ. And he himself came and ministered to them, so they'd be judged in accordance to mankind in the body, and judged and freed according to the Spirit. What does that tell you? God gives everybody an equal opportunity and chance in the whole creation of the world through all time to come and to see him and either accept or reject him. That's what it tells me. That's my conclusion. Jesus makes it possible, no matter what time frame you've been born in, what year, what situation, what order, to get to know him and make a judgment call because you chose or denied him. 
And so Jesus defeats the devil in so many different ways and wants you to as well. So those scriptures right there, why am I teaching you this? Because I felt maybe two years ago, year and a half ago, to teach this to you because you'll find books that say quite the opposite. Needless casualties of war. Hogwash. Hogwash. Basic premise is resist the devil and you'll die. Eh, Newsflash, you're going to die anyways. (laughs) Well, maybe not some of you. Some of you are blessed for eternal life on earth. I'm not. (laughs) We're not. We're going to resist the devil, and you're going to do it all the way until Jesus takes you home because you're a warrior, a champion. God strengthens you with everything you need. It says he gives you the fullness of Christ, the blessings of Christ. You could trample on every snake and scorpion. You may not have known how to, and we could talk about that more later, but just know it involves your feet and you being on top. Just know if the, if the scorpion is in your cup of coffee, wrong, wrong location. The scorpion's on your head, also wrong placement. You want it under your feet where Jesus is, and that remains with Jesus. You ever do a three-legged race? Was that sort of fun, kind of, back in the day? You're in a three-legged race with Jesus. Get in your harness, tie your center leg together, and you both will defeat the enemy in your life. But you have to be in alignment with him, tied together in that way. And as you do that, he'll direct your steps. It says, the Lord will direct your steps. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not under your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. How? Three-legged race. Want to just submit that to you? He's going to tie your leg to him, and you're going to walk with him. On occasion on the path, you're going to run into an Arizona critter, a snake, a scorpion, and you're going to trample that snake. You're not going to run away. Some of you are runaways. We're going to stop doing that because if you're tied to Jesus, fear no longer has a place in you. The manifestation of the devil no longer has a place in you. You're like, oh, good, we get to kill an enemy. It's Mario with a mushroom. It's not an anaconda with you naked in, in the Amazon. It's Mario with a mushroom. You jump, you squish. How does Mario kill things? With his feet. The Lord's going to show you how to hop, skip, and jump and defeat the devil. Amen? So I just wanted to release that to you. I don't want you to run away in terror anymore from victories that are yours. You know, the, behind every boss is a prize. You have to defeat the boss of your life, the enemy, the bosses you encounter. And there's victory right behind the enemy. The enemy is guarding the spoils. So I just wanted to release that to you. Amen. Now I'm going to hand the mic over to Jared, and he's going to do announcements because I wrote them.